This ASAP podcast is brought to you by the Bill Jacobs Power Company. They'll help you to design your athletic and fitness facility from the bottom up. Coach Jake is shipping bands every day. He's got the 10-pound band, the 100-pound band, and everything in between. He's got them all. And of course, during these special times, he also has the scientifically superior surface protection. It's called System 3 SDP. Sanitize, disinfect, protect. He's got the TRX med balls, the rollers, ropes, bumpers, benches. Coach Jake has it all. www.coachbilljacobs.com This is Ed Sicali with Athletic Strength and Power Podcasts. And in the background, that's Bronson Arroyo, the former Cincinnati Red baseball star. You saw him in the World Series with the Boston Red Sox, and here we are back in Kentucky. He lives in northern Kentucky area, one of his uh, palatial homes, and uh, Bronson Arroyo, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me on. Bronson, uh, welcome to the podcast. We, we touched base a long time ago uh, with uh, some of the podcasts we did from uh, Great American Ballpark and uh, watching you pitch for the Reds. What the heck have you been up to? Well, actually, I was. We, we used to do those old podcasts with Matt Krause, the strength coach of the Reds, and uh, he's with the Yankees for the last five years, I think. And I just saw him out in Los Angeles. The Yankees were in town playing the Dodgers, and I was just came from there. But uh, I've been, uh, you know, since I retired two years ago, I've been playing playing in a band around Cincinnati, um, playing a bunch of cover music. I've been writing original music for a different band out in Los Angeles been playing a lot of golf and snow skiing in the winter so I've just been trying to catch up with friends and family and do things that uh you know turn me on that just keep me excited about life tell us about uh you know it's been a, about a year what year and a half since you've been in the big leagues yeah I retired at the end of 2017 so this is going to be the second full season tell us a little bit about just kind of remind our fans uh, some of the stops you had along the way yeah so I, I was drafted by the Pirates in um, 1995 out of high school Played for 22 years, so I go from 1995 through 2017, so I was 18 to 40 years old, and um, first eight years were with the Pirates, mostly in the minor leagues, about a year and a half in the major league level. Then I get picked up by the Boston Red Sox off the waiver wire. Theo Epstein, who now is the president of the Cubs, claimed me off the waiver wire with Boston. Um, I start in AAA that year, finally get called up to the big leagues in August after throwing a perfect game in Pawtucket. Uh, the fourth perfect game in the history of a 130-year league um, in the International League. And then um, and then I stayed with the Red Sox over the next three seasons, won a World Series in 2004. And then in 2006, they traded me to the Cincinnati Reds for Willie Mo Pena, a, a straight-up one-on-one trade, which was uh, pretty lopsided by the, by, the, by the end of just that one season, much less the, the next decade to follow. But come to the Reds, stay here for eight seasons, give the Reds 105 wins in those eight seasons, never miss the start. Went to uh, Arizona Diamondbacks for the next two. Finally broke down as a player. Had Tommy John surgery on my elbow. Um, I had uh, my rotator cuff sewn back together. And that took me two and a half years to come back from. And I finally came back in 2017. Gave the Reds 14 starts. And my my body, my shoulder was just not going to hold up anymore. Elbow too? Elbow was feeling okay. I could have grinded through that. But but the shoulder was kind of the you know, the power mover, and, and it just, it wouldn't take, it, w- it would let me, allow me to pitch one game, but it wouldn't allow me to turn it back around four days rest. I would have needed like 10 days rest in order to pitch again, and that's just something you can't, you know, you're not of value to a big league ball club if you can't turn it around every fifth day. Back when you were th- with the Reds, you were uh, fiddling around with a little bit of guitar, and uh, you even did uh, like a, I don't know, some sort of a commercial with a, out of the dugout of the Reds, I think. 
<laughs> we were laughing about that commercial the other day because I've been playing golf with Chris Welsh around town. And uh, he was the other guy in the commercial back then. And he had that Tom Selleck mustache back then. And we, we'd, yeah, we, it was a funny commercial, the JTM commercials for, uh, for the meat company. And, uh, you know, I sang all the vocals on that stuff. And, and we did those commercials. And th to this day, I actually hadn't watched them since we filmed them until 2017. And I started watching them back for fun on YouTube. And I was just belly laughing. They were so funny. And I asked Welsh if he had been watching them over the years. And he said, yeah, he had seen them quite a few times. But that was a... That was a fun time. And, uh, you know, I've been listening to some of your demo tapes. Uh, I've been listening to you live, crank out a few on that, uh, that Taylor acoustic you got. And uh, you've upped your game. I mean, this is, you know, tell us a little bit about this music thing you've got going. Yeah, I'm taking it a little bit more serious now that I have a little bit more time. And, um, you know, I've always loved playing music. But, I, you know, when you're strapped to a Major League Baseball locker room, people don't realize that it's, it's almost year-round. I mean, October would be the only time, if we were not in the playoffs, that I would take 30 days off of the weight room and from playing catch. And then you're right back at it, at least I was, on November 1st. And then you continue that all the way until, you know, through the next September. So it's almost a year-round project to keep your body in shape and to, to stay focused on the game. So I got to play music over the years, but not as seriously as I would have wanted had I had a little bit more free time. And now that I have that time, I've, I've been playing in a band around Cincinnati, um, just called the Bronson Arroyo Band. And we play charity events sometimes. Sometimes we play great places like Bogarts and just put on a, a two-hour show. That, that, that stuff is everything from the Beatles, Tom Petty, um, for, to Oasis, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots. We just play a lot of cover songs. But in the meantime, I've also been writing original music for the first time ever, and I've got some friends that I met out in Los um, They're from Los Angeles. I, they were all New England boys when I met them when I was with the, with the Red Sox. And so um, I really enjoyed playing music with these guys once in a while. And I always said I was going to write a record with them. So we're in the midst of um, I've got 21 original songs that I wrote over the last year and I've given them to them. And we're going to uh, rank them in order and probably pick 10 to 12 of them and try to make a, an album here um, in mid-September. And, and um, I don't have any expectations of what will happen to it. I just know that I before I die, I needed a, a record that I could put down on a player and drop the needle down and, and say I made that. I hear you. Oh, you're talking vinyl to an old old school guy. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're down here in your, uh, we'll call it your recording studio almost. Uh, uh, you've written some songs. That's got to take some talent. To, you know, you really got to apply yourself to write a song. What's that all about? Yeah, I think, you know, over the years, I never, I, I wrote a few little jingles for my parents or some songs over the years, but it was usually in a moment when something would hit you, um, someone would die. Or, you know, something would happen and, and you would write a, a handful of songs um, over 20 years. But then I, I started thinking, how, how are you going to continue to put out music if, you, if you, you can't wait for those moments? I don't feel like. So I wanted to try to conjure up an, an idea of how I was going to write music without having something so personal happen to me. And so I just started taking riffs from the guys in the band uh, or stuff that I had um, tooled around with on a guitar and just taking them over to a buddy's house. There's a, there's a kid named uh, Chris Lambert. They call him CJ Lambert around town here. And also um, Elliot Sloan from Blessed Union of Souls. I usually sit with those two guys about once a week and I try to finish a song and it usually takes us four hours. I bring the idea. I bring the chord arrangement for the most part, at least for the verses, maybe not the chorus. And, um, and I have an idea of what I want to write the song about, maybe some certain subject that I observed from the outside. And we just get after it, and you know, it's it's a very pleasing feeling to to go home at night and listen back to something you did in four hours and be like, wow, you know, we put in some work today. And so I just have continued to do that one after another, and then I take the songs out to the guys in L.A. and say, what do you think? And they say, man, you've been you've been putting in some serious work here, man. You're finishing these songs, and so it's been 
it's been fun to, to be able to produce like that and just have, have something be uh, feel like an accomplishment. So we've got a guy that's uh, written 21 songs. He's got them down. And, uh, and to go with that, you've, you've played in actually how many games in the big leagues? Oh, I don't know how many games. Oh, well, I pitched. Well, I know I, I, I know I pitched 369 straight games without missing a start, where, you know, a full season for a major league starter is 32 to 34 starts. These days, sometimes only 30. So I, ba I basically went 19 and a half seasons without missing a game. And, uh, you know, most guys can't make it through one season without missing a game. And so I did that. I also had a little bit of bullpen time when I was with the Red Sox and with the Pirates. And so I stayed healthy through that, throughout that. 2014 is when I got hurt with the Diamondbacks, and that was the first time I was on the disabled list um, ever. And that really is what made me who I was in the game, was the consistency of giving you 200 innings a year for almost a decade straight. And every fifth day, they just knew that Bronson Arroyo was going to be out on the mound and have the ball in his hand, and he was going to give us a chance, hopefully, to win two out of every three times. And so, um, you know, it was a, fabu it was a fabulous, uh, fabulous grind to have in life, to think about how are you going to survive in this game, not only from a performance level, but from a health standpoint. And I really enjoyed being in the weight room every day and trying to uh, find ways to, to stay um, healthy in, inside of a game that just seems to spit guys out constantly. Well, that's what leads us to uh, Athletic Strength and Power podcasts. With that uh, brilliant career that you had in the bigs, abs absolutely, it took a lot of work, and you had to just hone your body in all the time. Uh, that's why we want to have podcasts with you and, and videos and talk, talk to you about what it was that you know kept you in the bigs that long and and, you know, like you said, you're not missing starts and all those innings every year. And then uh, you're big into nutrition, too. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I think I had a little bit of a head start. And I think what the real magic that came from me was the ability to, to day in and day out not be mentally tired from the grind that we were going to have to face. And part of that was the fact that at a very, very young age, and I'm talking back to six years old, I was in the weight room with my father, which I'm sure we probably talked about before. Mm -hmm. And... And, uh, he, you know, he got me lifting weights, and it wasn't so much of how much weight we were pushing. Well, we were pushing a lot of weight, but, it, you know, it was more about a, a, found, a mental foundation, I think, about that this is going to be a task at hand that's going to be on the daily. This isn't going to be something that we're just going to do for three months and we're going to put down for six months. This is something that even when you're playing basketball and playing football, we are going to be thinking about baseball. And so that was kind of bred into me. And so I, I think um, – the main thing about getting guys to be healthy is to build that mental foundation and then the physical foundation just after that, to, just to tell your body this is what we will be doing. And I, I think if guys can, can do that the earlier the better, it gives them an opportunity to play the game longer as they get older because we're all going to slowly break down, right? I mean, biology just tells us that there's just no way to compete at the highest of levels with the most weight um, you know, forever. Oh, it's going to happen. Right, it's going to happen. But in order to stave that off a little bit and hopefully – push the push the timeline back a little bit i think if your body is so used to you doing certain things to it over a 10 20 year period then i think it can weather the storm of some injuries a little bit easier than some other guys yeah and then uh, here you are what a year and a half out of the bigs and uh, you're still hitting it uh, what three four times a week uh, with the weights and yeah i'm still i'm still doing stuff all the time you know down yeah. here in the basement i've got a, a recumbent bike and i've got a trx band and a, and a set of 50 dumbbells with a swiss ball and i i still like to do some stuff um you know but when you're playing music and i'm playing golf a lot sometimes i'll, I'll take you know a three-hour session of singing and I'll, I'll consider that my workout for the day but but at least three or four days a week i'm down here i'm doing push-ups i'm doing um you know just just enough to stay active i really just believe that you know if you if you don't 
do anything at all. You just slowly just kind of disappear. And, and I, I feel, you know, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody who knew Clint Eastwood and, and he was talking about how um, he was saying, don't let the old man in in that one movie where he was, you know, he was, he's getting older, getting older. And he's basically saying, I, I refuse to, to, to feel like an old man mentally and physically. I'm just going to keep pushing that that away from me. And so I, I feel the same way. I, you know, I'm 42 years old and I still, you know, bounce around like I'm 20. And I think I can still do that for the next 15 or 20 years, as long as you keep the machine moving. And so for me, it is very important to constantly just do something, even if it's not heavy, it doesn't have to be heavy. And as the older you get, I actually think you probably should be tapering back on weights. Um, you know, cause you don't want to have a, a situation where, well, I used to curl heavy, but now you just rip the bicep off the, off the bone, you know? Um, so you can back the weight down a little bit, but continue to push your volume up to make to pump blood you know i mean i feel like that is the the main uh life force we've got to to kind of heal the body is to keep that blood moving and so whether it's you're playing racquetball or going to the gym and doing some stuff i think it's all good just to uh enlighten us in, in today's podcast uh when you were in the big leagues and when you were in training as this right during the season how many times a week or what was it like if you could just tell us you know, when you actually lifted weights or when you went out and ran and how, how your program was put together during the season. Right. It, it, it morphed a little bit over the years, depending on um, how I was feeling. Um, but most years um, early on, it was always pitch, let's say, on Monday. On Tuesday, we would get after a pretty heavy leg, leg workout, and that would also be your long running day. So your legs were absolutely blasted that day. Um, then I would usually do an upper body on day two which would a lot of times consist of, um, you know, it, for me, it was, it was even dips where a lot of guys weren't doing that, but I was doing a little bit of dips. You're doing pull-ups. We're doing, you know, overhead press a little bit. I was doing some stuff that maybe other guys weren't necessarily doing, but I've been in the weight room a long time and I was always healthy. So they would kind of give me a little bit more leeway. Um, but we weren't, we weren't deadlifting heavy and we weren't squatting super heavy. If we went heavy with legs, a lot of times we were trying to, we'd squat some, but we'd all try to tack most of the weight onto the, the leg press just to give the back a little bit of a breather um, after pitching all those innings. Um, and then and then there would be um, shorter running days on day, uh, maybe day three and day four, you're getting some shorter running days where you're running more sprints um, as your volume of throwing is going up into that where you're throwing your bullpen on day three or day four. And then you're taking a rest day and then you're back out it on the mound. As years went on and my body was breaking down a little bit more and it was harder to get the soreness out, and I'm talking like 35, 36, 37, then I started taking the first day off. So I'd pitch on a Monday, I would take Tuesday off and I would get a massage, I'd get in the hot tub, in the cold tub, we'd contrast, mm -hmm. um, maybe we would be doing acupuncture possibly. Whatever was going on that you felt like you could um, get your body to, to recover, those are the things we were doing on day one. And then on day two, we'd stick in the, the legs and then on day three would be the upper body. Um, and inside of both of those workouts would always be some sort of a shoulder program. So, you know, for a pitcher, the most important thing was to keep the capsule around the, the rotator cuff strong. And so that was always kind of the number one priority. Um, you're hitting the legs and the upper body, but in the middle of that, there's always a kind of an underlying thread of, uh, of shoulder work um, and forearm work and elbow work to try to keep, you know, ba the, the main component, the power mover for a starter, um, trying to keep that strong so that you didn't have any injuries now bronson you did a lot with the the band work too didn't you as far as the uh not the rock band you had to catch your in too <laughs> right, but, right. but the bands that were you know in the weight room yeah talking about the tubing um yeah so it, it would be kind of a mixture so there were some things you could do with a two pound dumbbell that you could replicate what you would be doing with a with a, a tube or a band as you said 
Um, and you'd kind of just mix it, mix and match it. You know, there would be days when um, I, I loved that actually the day before I pitched, this was a little unorthodox, but the day before I would pitch, I called it a tightening program. I'd love to be in the weight room. My body was a little gangly and loose. I was always a skinny guy and I felt like I wanted to, to feel my hips and my shoulders be a little more snug when I went out there on game day. And so if I had too much time off, it almost felt like it was, I was too loose, too Gumby-ish. So I would go in there and I would do a bunch of different exercises but very light and just pump some blood whether it was doing some jump rope and you maybe be doing some leg press, um, doing some lat pull downs, um, a little bit of forearm work, some of the tubing for my shoulder, just kind of like put, push, putting some blood in all these parts of my body just to, so the next day, hopefully I would feel a little snug out on the mound. It always made the ball feel like it was coming out of my hand a little bit better and it made me feel a little bit stronger. And so, um, I, I always had that in my program, but I, you know, the, the, the shoulder stuff, there's so many different ways to do it. I mean, you can also swim. Sometimes would, if, if uh, certain things were going on, maybe I wasn't feeling so hot, I'd get in, the, um, in a swim X, which would be pushing a wave against you, and you'd be swimming against the wave. And I would just use that as part of my lap workout to flush some of that soreness out or some of the shoulder work I'd be getting done in the water. So there's a lot of different ways to work that rotator cuff and, and what a pitcher needs. Um, and you're trying to blend those because also it's a long season. And if you're doing the same things all the time, not only does your body get used to it, but your mind gets a little tired of it. And so just kind of be able to move the ball around a little bit keeps it fresh. So when you were out of town, when the Reds went on the road, you found a place to train or did the uh, coaches, you know, create a place in the hotel or what was it like on the road? No, on the road these days, you know, the amenities have gotten a lot better than they used to be. If you were in the minor leagues, you would have to go out. Usually the, the, the head trainer would take a group of guys to a local gym and would pay or maybe they had, you know, bartered for a deal or whatever, and we would go in there, work out in the morning, and, and go to lunch and come back to the hotel. At the big league level, that doesn't happen. Um, every major league stadium is now mandatory that they have a visiting uh, weight room for all the players. So, But that being said, there are some older stadiums like Wrigley Field that, that, that you're very limited in what you have, right? Because some of these old stadiums, they just don't have enough room to give you a nice, beautiful weight room as they do, let's say, like in Pittsburgh. You go into Pittsburgh's weight room, and it's, it's kind of small, but you go to some other places and you'll have a beautiful place to do whatever you want. So, you know, I used to call it a jailhouse workout when we were playing in, in some of the old stadiums and you had to invent some things. And so you might have a set of dumbbells and a stationary bike and a TRX band and only a couple little things in some of the old ballparks. And you'd just find a way to have this jailhouse workout and get what you needed to get done um, inside of that. And, and that made, you know, it made it fun sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you could you'd really wanted to get a great leg workout and you could be in Wrigley and be disappointed, you know, that you had to go to the stadium uh, for a day game on a, on a Thursday because they weren't playing any night games without the lights and that you had to try to muster up this workout early in the day with, you know, no equipment. And sometimes it can be a little frustrating, but most of the time it was fun to try to invent something, feel like you got that work in and get back out uh, on the mound. Well, Bronson, we really uh, wanted to reconnect and touch base with you again. And, and uh, we're going to try to get this, this thing rolling, uh, with uh, some regular podcasts to talk baseball with you and uh, talk nutrition with you and, and talk about your music uh, more often and uh, get together. But uh, today, just to uh, refresh all our uh, our podcasts, you know, we're nationwide uh, at Athletic Strength and Power. We're well known, and uh, um, we want to really up our baseball, you know, training and, and knowledge for the athletes out there. So, uh, Bronson uh, Bronson Arroyo, we really uh, extend a big thank you today for uh, um, joining us for this Athletic Strength and Power podcast. Uh, thanks a lot, Bronson. All right. Well, thanks for having me on again, Ed.